Excuse me, but are you loving this podcast? If you are, you can support the show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. All you have to do is hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Excuse me, I have something to say. I am not a medical professional and the content on this episode of Excuse Me is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you have regarding a medical condition, the use of medical marijuana or addiction. Enjoy the show. Excuse me, I have something to say. This is the podcast where we have real and open conversations about life and everything it throws our way. I'm your host, Sean Philip Naylor, and you can join me each episode as I talk with inspiring people who also have something to say. You can also join in on the conversations by contacting me directly through the show's official social channels, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at excuseme underscore pod, Facebook and YouTube, search Excuse Me, I Have Something to Say, or visit our official website, excusemeihavesomethingtosay.com. As always, all links are embedded into the show notes for you, and don't forget to click on that subscribe button. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, remember you can rate and review the show there. Well, hello, Excuse Me family. How y'all been? Keeping yourself safe during our various states of lockdown, I hope. I'm starting the show off this week with a big thank you to all of you beautiful people out there who keep tuning in to listen to the conversations that we're having and a big hello and welcome to any first time listeners today. Remember that you can contact me on the show's socials if you have a topic you think we need to be talking about or even if you have something to say and you want to come on the show. My most active social page is the show's Instagram, so head on over to excuse me underscore pod on the gram and give me a like and a follow, and then you can slide yourself straight into my DMs and we can have a chat. In the past few weeks, the podcast has also found itself active on TikTok. So if you're an avid TikToker and want to see what I've been getting up to and learn about some interesting facts and bonus content from the show, search at excuse me underscore pod over on TikTok and give me a follow there. And the news just keeps on coming this week. Now, with the show's former home, the wonderful Lip Media Network, deciding to call it a day earlier this year, my little podcast has been floating around doing its own thing for a while now, but I can confirm the exciting news that the show is now officially a part of the That's Not Canon podcasting network. That's Not Canon Network and Collective is a platform for creators to tell interesting, funny, innovative, and sometimes uniquely personal stories. Affectionately known as TNC, That's Not Canon is home to some amazing podcasts, including one of my personal favorites, 
Murder in the Land of Oz, an Australian true crime podcast with hosts Jessica Kate and Ellen Rose. You can find Murder in the Land of Oz along with Excuse Me and a whole bunch of other cool pods over at that'snotcanon.com. Now, coming up, we've got a really dope show for you today. I am welcoming back returning guest and a great friend, Leroy Jackson, who you might know as Aussie rapper, Where Is Leroy? We will be chatting about the great debate of legalizing marijuana and the history of the plant. I'd like to also credit the site recovery.com as the source material for the timeline which we talk about during this conversation. And Leroy actually has a brand new single dropping this week. It's called Wasted Time, and it's definitely worth your time. So go and check that out and follow Leroy. Give his new track a listen and check out his awesome back catalogue. Go show the boy some love. So Leroy, now the pesky intro is done. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Thank you so much for having me back. I think I'm doing quite well considering everything that's going on in the world. I've got quite a good setup at home. We've just gone back into lockdown. I think our lockdown has just been extended in Melbourne, so I'm going to become quite familiar with my house again. <laughs> Despite the um, the recent efforts to leave the house, I feel like I might have to do a whole remodelling while while I'm in home this this lockdown. You but should I'm also, while you're having to <laughs> wear face masks and shit, you should do what I did and I made some podcast merch face masks you could totally do some branded merch i would love to put out some new merch we've actually got a few things in the works at the moment in terms of merch i will be honest i didn't really think of the face mask because i was kind of hoping that that we were past that kind of point in life to be honest and it was like oh yeah this will be a bit of a waste of time we've beaten corona but that that turned out to be a lie it was all um, a lie it was all a dream Terrible. Yeah, terrible I know. it was this this weird kind of point I think we had at the uh, the beginning of the year where everyone was kind of like, "Oh, that was that's behind us now." Yeah, especially but, in Australia when like even like even for me like watching all my English people come out of lockdown, I was like, "Oh yeah, all right." And so everybody's on board now. Everybody's got things coming. And then Delta, she showed up. Yeah, I feel terrible. I had some um, some friends of mine in my crew had a uh, show playing on the Thursday and the Friday um, when we went into lockdown and we went into lockdown midnight on the Thursday. Mm. So they played the Thursday show and then couldn't play the Friday show. And it was extended until um, essentially this Friday coming in, which we've just realised the lockdown's been extended. So I doubt that's going to go ahead either. So it's a really, um, really good time. Makes you feel very stable. Benny and I hadn't been out and seen live music in what feels like forever. In fact, last proper live music I went to see was the Queen and Adam Lambert gig on the Gold Coast. And then not long after that, we went into lockdown. Hold on, maybe I should not go see live music because... This time around, we went to Miami Marquetta to see Sahara Beck. And the next day we went into lockdown. So maybe oh, it's, so, it's me. So you're the reason for the lockdowns, maybe. Everyone's just kind of coming out. And then it's just kind of, I've sure, always kind sure of Someone goes and sees a show and everybody goes and gets locked back down again. I've, I've always sort of had this kind of, I don't know if you, you also have it, you know, when you, you, you're ha- walking around for a while and you're kind of like, oh, I'm like myself, I generally, if I think that I've got something, I'll go and get tested. So whenever I, there's a lot of times where I'll be walking around, I'll walk past someone and, you know, they'll cough or something. And I'll be like, well, that's it for me. I'm done now. So that, that's the Corona. Like I'm kind of like, oh, no point in getting tested. I might as well just go and put myself into a quarantine and this is all over. Try and work on a cure somehow. 
Um, it's funny because I've only been tested once in the whole pandemic and that was only a couple of weeks ago because some person jumped to the border and decided to go gallivanting around Queensland and they came to Pacific Fair. So, and I was there on the day at the time. So I had to go get tested. Yeah, it is one of those, one of those things. I, I literally, every time I hear that we're going back into a lockdown, there's new cases. I'm almost like, hasn't everyone already caught it or been vaccinated <laughs> against it now? Like I've been doing a lot of kind of like looking back into like the, the polio vaccine and how that kind of came about and how this is very similar to, you know, the way of kind of developing the polio vaccine. It's really interesting to think that, I don't know, I feel like back then that would have been kind of like very similar to the corona of our time where it's like, well, should we take this random thing that the government's saying you know, we should put inside ourselves or should we just risk it? Now, I feel like in the future, they're going to very much liken it back to the polio kind of outbreak in terms yeah. of vaccinating people and I guess getting like that kind of immunity up to the to the uh, disease. It's, it's funny that you um, should bring it back to, you know, it's a similar thing to like back in the day with polio because that's just a perfect segue into the fact that we've got this vaccination which is available now, yet... We have other things which we know are really good for medical use, like marijuana, which has been criminalized. Definitely an excellent enjoy some of this right now. And it's a really weird one for someone like myself who, you know, not sure if anyone is aware of this. I, I, I do dabble in, in, in marijuana every now and then, he says with a, with a bong in his hand. Um, <laughs> I can't think of anyone better to have this conversation with than you. You know, it can be such a profitable industry. And that, look, I personally, everyone is going to have their own opinions on it. Me personally, I think it doesn't really hurt anybody. But personally, myself, I don't really see too many negative aspects. And I see it as a you know, creative tool, also like a sleeping tool, an anti-anxiety tool. There's not too much I can't really use it for. That and every time I have ever had it, I just get really hungry and really tired. That's another thing. I've, um, I've as an adult, smoking, smoking weed, you become far more attuned to kind of like taste and things like that, I feel personally, like my, my level of taste and my kind of like palate has gone up a lot. I was at, I was at like a, a restaurant when I was back home at Christmas time, I went to a restaurant that I'd been to a lot of times back in the day. And I went there and it's pretty much the same stuff. And I gave it all a try. And I was like, man, I don't know what's going on at the moment, but I almost feel like I've evolved past this kind of level of taste of food now you know, with what I've been trying, living in Melbourne, eating food overseas, especially while stoned. <laughs> well, always remember as well, your palate changes every seven years, I think it is. The human body, it does this whole like seven year cycle thing. And I believe your taste buds and your, your palate and what you enjoy changes after seven years or every seven years. Now, I am going to take us on a little marijuana history lesson. Feel free to jump in at any point but doing research for for this episode mm. i i you know you look at marijuana and we know historically we know that it has medical benefits but the views people have around it has been predominantly i guess influenced by america um mm. so i'm just going to go straight to the 1600s leroy and uh, that's the origins of marijuana. Wow, start at the beginning. <laughs> that's the origins of marijuana in the US. The origins of marijuana in the US can be related back to the earliest days of the settlement 
When hemp was grown like any other crop in the 17th century, the production of a variety of hemp um, from the cannabis plant was highly encouraged to make clothing, rope, sails, all of that stuff. So obviously, you know, if you go to Byron Bay, somebody is wearing something made from hemp and they're probably smoking something too. We still have the, you know, those ties to, to hemp. I also work. actually use a, um, I use a very nice hemp body wash. It's got no THC or anything like that in it yeah. to make you high. It's just a very nice natural body wash I like to use. I also like to use um, hemp seeds. I guess like you can buy, they're like the hemp seed husks. Yeah, you can buy them kind of any kind of like natural, like natural kind of store, and they're really good to have like on top of your music. They they obviously don't have any THC or anything like that, but like the benefits of the actual plant itself are definitely there in terms of like not just for getting high. Well, that's it. And I it was originally it wasn't really used for any of that. It was it was used to do other things. You know, if we jump now to the 1700s, George Washington in America, he was interested in farming hemp. But he also questioned the potential medicinal uses of marijuana in his journals in like 1765. And then by the time 1840 came along, marijuana became widely accepted in mainstream medicine. And it was it was an ingredient that was used in heaps of shit that you could just buy over the counter. So going back to medicine, like it, it obviously does good things for you. What's funny? That, that just, I just feel like that would have been really touch and go when they were discovering that, <laughs> you know, like they're smoking it for the first time and you're like, I don't really know what, like the first people who are kind of testing if marijuana is getting you high must have freaked the fuck out the first time they got high. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that because going stepping away from the American side of things and just jumping straight into to Australia, when the first colonies came with the first colonies when when us you know good old english folk came and ruined australia back in the day we brought it with us and very very quickly you know a settlement of convicts decided that they were going to smoke it and do other things with it uh and so that would have been an interesting time to uh to come to australia trust the convicts to find a way to do that just to kind of like move that you know they've got like toilet wine and things like that they're like oh yeah we'll we'll find a way to smoke this rope and get us high which i imagine (laughs) is what it would have been used for (laughs) it was used for rope and and things so uh yeah at some point somebody it's like a friend of mine she's vegan and she was on the podcast a little while ago and she was like you know who's the person that decided that they were gonna you know filter wine through a swim bladder of a fish it's probably the same people that saw some rope and went what's going to happen if we smoke that maybe it was some of the people who had smoked some of the rope who were you know <laughs> then they're like we'll put the this they were a fish yeah they're like oh man have you ever imagined wine but with more air in it no no, no. hold up hold up just hear me out <laughs> it tastes better go on it's purer somehow <laughs> Um, so going back to the U S by 1850, marijuana was completely fine in America. Uh, it was used as a treatment for opioid withdrawal. It was started to be used as pain medication, appetite stimulation. I'll tell you that one works on me and a relief of nausea and vomiting, but yeah, appetite stimulation. It definitely, definitely does that. Do you have any go-to meals when you are high, like any kind of like anything that you generally like when you're high you're like well i'm generally eating this uh it's mostly snacks like bring bring me snacks doritos are good 
I'll take all the chips. If I can, if I can air fry it, it's on. And if it's like party pies, then we're good. We'll have to do party pies and sausage rolls. I, I still haven't experienced the air fryer side <gasps> of life yet. I'm a very, very much a deep fryer when I'm high side of side of life, man. No, um, go air fryer. It's going to make I'm everything quicker. Much... <laughs> it will get those snacks to you faster. Now back to our uh, marijuana. It was also in America at some point. It was marketed as there was a hashish candy which was advertised in Vanity Fair as a pleasurable yeah. and harmless stimulant that could cure melancholy and nervousness. This and is the first ever recorded edibles there. Well, yeah, in it, but at least in the States. But um, the Food and Drug, say the Food and Drug Act, the FDA, in 1906, they then required that any product containing cannabis be labelled appropriately. And that's kind of starting to to i guess people have concerns about cannabis but then for three decades marijuana was an ingredient in all sorts of medicines it was marketed as painkillers it was used for sedation it would treat muscle spasms but here's your fun thing so 1900 to 1930 ish mexican immigrants introduced the use of marijuana recreationally and because the drug came, became associated with Mexican immigrants in America, people began to fear it and they were scared of the you know, fear, of, fear of the drug. And with anti-drug campaigns coming straight after that, they used to refer to it as the Mexican menace. So, you know, like oh, all, good, all good politics is somewhere based in racism, I was I was about to say the racism wasn't lost even there, was it? They, no, not in America. Back, back in places. the time, that's um, it's really interesting that they had to start labeling it as of what was it, nineteen oh one, nineteen oh six, nineteen oh six. That would have meant that before that, people would have been high all the time without even being aware <laughs> of it, and maybe just thinking that they're going insane or something like that. And just being, oh my God, that would have been such a wild time. They're essentially just getting drugged without knowing it, even yeah. with the candy. Like, oh my God. <laughs> well, the other thing that happened in the 1930s was the uh, the Great Depression. And that meant a lot of job losses in America because, you know, this created a huge stigmatization of Mexican immigrants because the Americans were like, hey, they're going to take our jobs. Um, and <laughs> then they. <laughs> Um, and then the public got really concerned over the dangers of marijuana and then the media began to report it on it and show research research I use the air quotations that showed marijuana was linked to crime and violence the Bureau of Narcotics began campaign to criminalize marijuana and this is all because a bunch of Mexicans living their best life came across the border started to work and was smoking it and karen 1930s karen was like no not on my watch that's so wild to think that it's not like it wasn't in the states as well like it you know would have just grown somewhere i'm I'm assuming in the states but the idea that you know people would have just gone from oh there's this plant and now someone's using it to smoke that's just not allowed like everything else we're doing with it is fine smoking it mm mm-mm no, yeah. sir. And then they're like, this is a link to, to crime and violence, yet, you know, 
most yeah if you look at stone if you look at stoners as a general populist they're they're probably just eating and sleeping and being a little para one time when i was a lot younger i was um i was walking home from a from a party and i'd um i was really really high and um i had like a my bong in my bag and um some scissors didn't have any weed or anything like that and i was walking home and um (laughs) The, what was quite odd was in the area, someone with the same colored bag as me had been breaking into houses and just kind of like robbing yeah. these houses. That old chestnut. He had yep. the same and, bag, officer. Yeah. I, no, that, so that was it. This is actually what So I was just walking. And so I'm walking home and these this cop car just stops me. And this is me just high, just being naturally afraid of police because I'm really, really fucking high <laughs> at the time. And I was like, oh, oh fuck naturally my instinct was to just run away which to them would have just solidified my guilt as this person <laughs> there he is he's running yep. away so That's i ran guy. off and it was yeah uh, they ended up arresting me getting arrested while high was really really intense and hard to fucking deal with this trying to explain to these people that i'm not the person that they're looking for and this is all just a big misunderstanding <laughs> we sorted it all out like yeah yeah, good because um, you're not in jail and you didn't rob the houses. No, no, yeah, I <laughs> didn't didn't rob any houses. Well, they, I showed them my bag. <laughs> I was like, "This is why I'm running away from you guys," and they kind of looked at me like more, more so like angry that they that I'd made them run. You know, <laughs> they were like, "We wasted our valuable time ch- chasing you," and I was kind of like, "It's not my fault. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong guy, dude." I see. I don't really have any high stories like that. Like I didn't really, I was a good boy when I was younger. Like I never did anything bad. Maybe some things, but. Um, and you started smoking weed. Or kind what of age? Like more well, the very first time I smoked weed was with a very good friend of mine. I won't, won't say her name because she has a quite a good job and wouldn't want to get her into trouble. But um, she's a creative type. But um, yeah, so she was, it was just late at night at her house one night and she was doing some work and she had a little spliff and she was like, do you want some? And I was like, mm, yeah, right. I think it was like 20. Really? That's yeah. quite, that's that's quite, quite. I don't know, considering what weed is and the way people smoke weed nowadays, I think that's quite quite late on. I was a good like, boy. I don't know. I, the, yeah, there's never, you know, I've always said there's never a bad time to start smoking weed. I can't, I don't know how old my sister was when she first started smoking. I think she was like nine when she had her first cigarette or something, but she, she was the bad one. So I was always the good kid. And she, when we were like in the final years of high school, oh. she was like, she was a complete stoner. In fact, I feel like she has your outfit that you're wearing now. Um, was like her day-to-day go-to. I love it. But <laughs> she um yeah she was she would have some great stories to tell yeah I um I think I started smoking weed when I was about maybe 16 maybe 17 I feel like that being said I feel like that was probably a bit too early I feel like that's kind of standard though in nowadays I feel like it is kind of standard and like I don't know what what age they're prescribing people weed for in the states I'm sure it is over 18 but like that's only like a year or two past that that being said, I'm no, I'm no brain surgeon or anything like that. I could tell you what it actually does to your brain. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's one of those things. Like anything, 
in moderation is probably not so bad. But if anything that you're having yeah, an excess of, like they say, if you have too much marijuana, it can make you, yeah, it plays with your mind a little bit. Like you get really paranoid and, and, and that sort of thing. But then who doesn't get more paranoid when they get older? I mean, there's people out there that, that think, that think well, there's, five, there's 5G and the government are putting something to watch you in your vaccination. Like, uh, frankly, myself, I'm, I'm really impressed with anyone who's just out here, just raw dog and reality sober <laughs> during this whole thing. Like, I feel like I've been speaking to, you know, people I buy weed off and since COVID and everything is hit, they're like, man, everyone's smoking weed now. smoke break yeah wasn't even going to talk over that bong hit we're keeping that in thank you thank you <laughs> so back on our little quick history tour of of um marijuana um jump ahead to oh wait no there's a movie marijuana and the uh... have you heard of the movie called reefer madness it was I heard released... it and i've also seen it says here it was released in 1936 and it depicted marijuana as a drug that could lead to violence, rape, suicide, and psychosis. I mean, it sounds like a cliffhanger, edge of your seat stuff. Really sounds like the opposite of everything that weed really kind of does for you. Like I'm never moving too far when I'm high, if I'm being a hundred percent honest. And if I'm moving far, I'm not moving very fast. <laughs> like... <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um so that was when did they say that was 36 so then in 1937 the marijuana tax act was passed so everybody's paying more of those heavy taxes for specific authorized industrial and medical use marijuana so this is in the 30s they're still using it as medical to treat ailments in 42 marijuana was removed from the u.s doctor's pharmaceutical place um, and began to get discredited as having any medical use. And then in 44, the New York Academy of Medicine published a report stating that marijuana was only a mild intoxicant. And somebody with a stupid name responded to that report with a solicited article in the American Journal of Psychiatry, Psych- yeah, bleh, um, which attempted to attack and discredit all of the previous information that that same journal had published. So it did a complete 180 and everybody started to go, no, nah, this shit is bad. And again, this all sort of seems to, in America at least, stem from um, the Mexicans coming across the border and just having a great time. Man, that's really people are just trying to come over to the United States and live a better life and they're kind of getting blamed for all the problems that, I'm assuming are already there in the States. Oh, yeah, those same problems are going to be there. It's like, I remember, you know, when I was in my late teens, there was this whole big thing about, you know, it was, it, I think it was the Polish people that were really taking it out on. They were like, the Polish people are coming here and they're taking our jobs. But they weren't, they were just doing the jobs that you didn't want to do at a better price than you would do it. Like, I feel that's the same for America. Like, you know, perhaps these people from Mexico came over and, they were just were doing the job. I feel like, especially like the the hypocrisy the hypocrisy there with America, you know, essentially 
moving in and taking all the all the land from the Native Americans is is quite quite hypocritical, you know, to then say that oh they can't really move in and take our jobs and all our stuff is hypocrisy there is just amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. So 65 to 70 marijuana arrests on the state level increased tenfold as authorities began to crack down on marijuana and the distribution of it. And then in the 70s, Congress in the States passed the Controlled Substance Act, which placed marijuana as a Schedule One drug, I think, along with things like LSD and heroin. Which come on, marijuana and heroin. Very, um, yeah, I'd, I'd say they're, they're pretty different. I, was, <laughs> I haven't actually, I haven't tried heroin, so I can't really say. But I imagine it's not too, not too the same. Yeah, same. Haven't done it. Have no desire to do it. But definitely, I feel like smoking a little bit of pot and having heroin are definitely not the same and shouldn't be classed the same. According to that act, marijuana also had no medical value at all and a high potential for abuse, which I think it does have a high potential for abuse, but so does alcohol. I feel like anything really has the potential for abuse. Yeah, I guess it's it depends really on who's within the using person. it. Yeah. Yeah, um, I read this um, thing a little while ago that there was this this pro football, I can't remember his name, this pro footballer in the States actually, who was addicted to Red Bull and he was having something like 36 cans a day and had to check himself into a rehab. And it was just like, like anything can really be a vice for anyone. I mean, just the uh, act of sex can be addictive. Yeah, very much so. It's crazy that they would then do that. But because they did that to, to marijuana, because they put it into that category, it made it really difficult for anybody to be able to study it, especially for science and medical studies. It was just they couldn't really do it as much. In also in the seventies, um, so yeah, the seventies. I guess the seventies as well. They're kind of known a little bit for marijuana use. When was Woodstock? Was the seventies? So come on, everybody was having a great time. But yeah, the the federal efforts to strengthen enforcement of strict marijuana laws. Um, some states actually decriminalized marijuana then so not criminalized it decriminalized it and that was alaska and maine and somewhere else i can't remember so the schaefer committee in 1972 
recommended that personal use of marijuana be decriminalized, but President Richard Nixon ignored the recommendations. Damn you, Nixon. You set us all back, really. Well, following that, there was something called the parents' movement against marijuana. I guess there would have been parents of the teenagers of the 70s who were probably having the best time. Um, They created this movement against marijuana. Um, And then the Drug Enforcement Administration in the States was also like, yeah, we'll totally back this. And then by the 80s and 90s, the public opinion of marijuana shifted back to it being really, really dangerous as people considered it to be, get ready for it, a gateway drug to harder drugs such as cocaine and heroin. One of the things I've always thought is interesting, you know, that's something you definitely hear. I'm I'm pretty sure everyone who's smoked weed before has heard that from someone it's a gateway drug don't do it Leroy. oh this is a gateway drug and it is one of those things like if we're being honest most people who who do harder drugs you know most people generally start any kind of you know drug use in their life on weed i feel like in terms of a gateway drug i've always thought that was a bit bit of a silly thing because you know as someone who smokes marijuana there's nothing there's nothing in me when i smoke marijuana that makes me want to try other drugs but it's more so like the fact, I guess, that when you're smoking marijuana and, you know, you're going to houses that f- fucking, you know, there's other people at, you're buying where you hang, you generally start hanging around other people who smoke weed as well as do other things. And it's not more so like the drugs making you do want to try other drugs. There's other people who are talking to you as you get older who have tried other drugs as well as weed that are like, man, maybe you should try this if you like weed. And I feel like that's that's the funny part about it being a gateway drug. I don't think there's anything inside of it that actually makes you want to try other drugs. No, I think it's just comes down to, to personality. And a lot of the younger people out there who, who are, you know, at that point in their lives, a little bit more impressionable. If they go to a party and there's drugs, well, let's say there's weed and there's alcohol and then somebody shows up and they've got something else. You know, that guy who shows up to the party with the other drugs, he's probably the dealer and is probably trying to make a buck. (laughs) If you're drunk at that party, it's probably better to just stay away from the weed in general, to be 100% honest with you, because that's a fine line there when you're drunk and and you're smoking weed between, you know, having a good time and head in the toilet. Uh, yeah, you know the um, you know the old grass before beer, you're in the clear. Beer before grass, you're on your ass. <laughs> in have you? Okay, here you go. Here's one. Here's something in the history of marijuana, which really shows, I think, how it was. The U.S. really sort of had the big push on other countries taking more of a negative stance on it. Do you remember the campaign, or at least the saying, "Just say no." Just say no to drugs, Leroy. Just say no. Was this the um the campaign that was uh implemented by the Reagans? Yep, that was Nancy. So it was uh First Lady Nancy Reagan. She started the Just Say No campaign in 1982. One that really kind of took over. Seems like a bit of a, of a loaded kind of statement there, isn't it? Just say no. There's, I mean, there's definitely when it comes to it, there's a lot of other factors at play there when it comes to just saying, if it comes to more addictive drugs and things like that, I feel like just saying no is quite a, quite a loaded statement. Going on from old Nancy Reagan's campaign in 86, President Ronald Reagan signed the Anti-Drug Abuse Act and this law raised uh, marijuana penalties and created mandatory sentences, many of which equated marijuana with heroin again. 
So this is in 1986 and Reagan was like, no, you can go to jail now because you've got the marijuana. These are scary times to be caught on the street with a joint, I imagine. (laughs) Especially in scary places like America. Yeah. When I was, um, when I was in, in Thailand, I, um, I managed to find some some weed off someone there, and I remember I got on the beach the first time, and I and I was like, oh, well, I'm in Thailand, and I'm completely by myself in this country where weed's very, very, very illegal. <laughs> Immediately had this gigantic panic attack of like, oh my god, what have I just done? <laughs> someone's gonna know the cops are gonna find it there's only a matter of time I might as well just pack my bags now I'm about to get deported like get on a plane come home yeah it's it's funny like the, the yeah I can't imagine what it would have been like then like I was like no I can't remember what I am sorry <laughs> I love it um, a bit too high I think. <laughs> good that's the point I, um, I got I got quite quite high in preparation to this good I'm learning a lot. I gotta say, just um, I know that while, while we're still going through the history of marijuana, I feel like I'm definitely learning a lot. There's a lot of like connecting the dots that I wasn't really aware of in terms of you know how the origins of something that I you know enjoy so much, which we I feel like we almost nowadays like I know it's still illegal in Australia, but compared to what it was classified as, I feel like we're quite lucky. Lucky still. I mean, we're not there yet, but considering to what it was like i'm still kind of like like nowadays yeah if i get caught on the street with a joint i don't think it's that big of a deal no like you go to some places and it's it's just in the air you can just smell it so the vast majority of rational people kind of go okay a little bit for personal consumption and personal use isn't so bad yeah look you don't really want to be selling it i've um had a little bit of experience with things like that I gotta say the most annoying thing about it is just having to be at home all the time to wait for people. I've gotta say that was what you think about it. Like I don't go out. People are just blowing up my phone. This was a long time ago. Glad to hear it. (laughs) Okay, right. So we're going carrying on with our history lesson. Going to 1989, we now have a President George W. Sorry, George H. W. Bush, and he declared a new war on drugs and continued the anti-marijuana campaigns. So poor old marijuana didn't stand a chance through the 70s and 80s. My poor plant. (laughs) Just trying to grow a house plant, officer. Yeah, man. She's trying to live her life, man. You're going to say your internet lag makes you sound really slow in places, and it's gold. I love it. It just makes you sound really high already. I'm really sorry about the internet <laughs> lag, but I'm not no, really it's working. Sure what's going on about? Now we're going to do a time jump from 1989 when George Bush declared a war on, uh, sorry, the new war on drugs, to 1996, where California, the state of open-minded people, voted um, voters approved Proposition 215, which actually legalized marijuana for medical use at a state level. So that was back in '96 which I didn't realize myself that it was legalized for medical use back then. I really felt like that was something in the, you know, 2000s. I feel like it's something that they, they, they didn't really want to say, you know, it's mm. something that I feel like they would never really promote back then, if, especially if they're coming off like an anti, you know, this is the worst thing in the world. They can't now, I guess, be promoting it. <laughs> it's 
now good for medical use. It would seem like, I don't know. Here's another one for you. So getting to the end of the 90s, in 98 to 99, in that one-year period, the Clinton administration spent $25 million on television campaigns that placed anti-drug messages in primetime TV shows. Real, I see. I feel like I was even, I was a bit too young for even when smoking commercials would have been on TV and things like that. I remember when we first moved to WA, I think you could smoke on planes still. That was 1990 or 91. Um, I'm sure you could still smoke on planes. And then my uncle wouldn't come over to visit us because he was addicted to cigarettes and he just couldn't bear the thought of being on a, on a flight for that long without having a cigarette. Whereas now he doesn't even smoke. I remember like my, my earliest flight when I was like, I think maybe six or seven, like my first ever flight. I remember I was sitting next to my mum quite vividly and they had like the chairs still had the kind of ashtray things on them. And I was, remember saying to my mum, like, what's this for? And mum was like, well, this was when they used to be able to smoke in planes. So it must have been quite a recent thing. Like, I remember them. They were like the little ones and they used to like flip in and they'd rock. Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays, you can't even get a car with a cigarette lighter in it. That's right. No one smokes here anymore. Like that was a big campaign. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, what if I just need a lighter? Like, <laughs> you don't know what I'm going to use it for. It seems like a bit of a broad assumption that I'm going to use it for a cigarette. Well, this is this is true. So there, it's interesting to go back and sort of revisit a lot of that, which, you know, what year were you born? 91. So you were born in 91. I was born in 85. A lot of sort of, I guess, the real heavy stuff where the politicians, particularly in the States, were very much like, no, no weed, no weed, no weed was very much within our lifetime. And then you look at how far it's come. I remember when my dad started to talk about hemp oil or something like that, and he would, you couldn't buy it. He was in England, I think, and he couldn't buy it. He had to buy it online and have it shipped in. It didn't contain the THC. It was just the cannabis oil. And then- Still couldn't get it. Still couldn't get it. And even just a couple of years ago, when Benny and I went to England to see my friend Flynn before she passed away, she had cancer. And she was taking, she was doing all the cancer treatments that they gave her. And she started to do whatever the, the treatment they had her on. She started to do that. And then she was also taking very small amounts of the cannabis oil and her cancer went into remission okay. and she got an extra couple of years. Like it just shits me that something that we know helps people. So it helps people, you know, kids with seizures and all that sort of thing. Like it's, an act, before it was criminalized, it was medically proven to work. I um I spoke to a lady, would have been a while ago now, obviously a bit pre-corona. She was telling me that she smokes weed, but she doesn't actually like smoking weed, but she smokes it because it relieves the pain for her arthritis. Well, that's she's it. Like, I, yeah, and she was like, um, she was kind of like, look, if I if I could find another way to to get it, I wouldn't smoke it. And I was kind of saying, like, have you tried baking it? Have you tried, you know, <laughs> here's some edibles? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was, I, I've never been one to, you know, uh, indulge too hard in edibles myself. Like, I'm not against them; they just don't ever, ever really do too much for me. But I definitely suggested it to her, and she was, she was pretty pro on that. I haven't actually ever spoken to her since, but who knows? Maybe she had a great time and went and cooked herself <laughs> up some just awesome brownies and sat there watching Green Acres and <laughs> had a great weekend. But yeah, it's crazy because it does have great medical benefits, and sure, I think. As time goes on, more and more people are you know, recognizing the fact that the history that marijuana has, particularly 
you know, through politics and things is not necessarily accurate to the perception that people have had for a long time over it as a drug. I personally think it should be legalized. I don't see really many, if any, reasons as to why it shouldn't be. Not only legalized, but also like recreationally legalized. Like I don't, I feel like it shouldn't be something that should be legalized purely for the medical benefits of it. Like I don't think that you should have to have a doctor's note or something like that. I think it should be legalized in the kind of sense, the same way alcohol is, you know, let's make it legal age where you can legally purchase it and you can tax it, you know, exactly putting your money back. I remember seeing something like Washington ended up fixing up all their schools or something along those lines or built a bunch of new schools because from all just their, their weed tax revenue. So I've got this website that I was doing research on and I'll, it's at this time we're looking more at Australia and we're not going so, so global to America, but um, it's called cannabisplace.com.au and basically asks the question is medicinal marijuana legal in Australia? So I'm going to read a little excerpt from that just so people, people know. So although medical cannabis is strictly controlled and regulated, doctors may prescribe it to patients in Australia if it's clinically indicated to treat or manage a condition. So it's great to see that, you know, we do have that ability to get levels of marijuana for people who need it, like the lady with her arthritis, um, you know, cancer, people who are being treated for cancer. The TGA is the body that regulates medical cannabis. And in 2019, it granted over 25,000 prescriptions from doctors to treat a patient with medical marijuana. So this was more than a tenfold increase over the previous year of 2018 to 2019. And the TGA reports that there have been more than 18,000 medical cannabis applications since the beginning of 2020s, but more and more people are using it and can get their hands on it, which I think is really important. Now, I do believe in the ACT, you can have a little bit of marijuana for personal use, but not, I could be wrong. So if I'm wrong, like don't come at me, internet people. But yeah, I do believe- Don't, don't, just, don't just be listening to everything you say and just yeah. getting on the next flight down to the ACT. <laughs> I'm not the authority <laughs> on this. Bag of weed. <laughs> the guy from that podcast I listened to that one time, he said I could do it. <laughs> Leroy, you are in Victoria. Yes, that's right. Yes. So for you and the people of Victoria- medical marijuana if they feel it is appropriate for the patient and have obtained the required approvals from the commonwealth or state governments any doctor in victoria may prescribe medical cannabis to a patient suffering from any condition more information visit health Health victoria it's a very weird one that kind of thing because you get a lot of doctors and they're kind of like oh yeah i don't i don't prescribe medical marijuana i don't know anyone who does we um, can get you some pills (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But here's, here's a whole lot of pills that you could get addicted to. Sometime during this past six months, we had to go and get Benny a doctor's cert for something pandemic-y. And we were somewhere in, oh, we're in Surfer's Paradise. I hate Surfer's Paradise. And we went to this medical place and we're sitting there and they had this big sign. It was like, do you suffer from? And it covered everything from arthritis and joint pain all the way down to like trouble sleeping anxiety, depression, all of these things, we can prescribe you medical marijuana. All these people just walking past this sign and then just stopping, dropping <laughs> all their shopping and being like, oh, well, fuck, better turn around. <laughs> so I think to, to look back on our conversation, 
it has been really interesting to see, I guess, the, the journey marijuana has taken over the years in the criminalization of it and now the decriminalization of it. It's interesting to see where we're at in Australia. I think we still have a long way to go. I think we've highlighted the fact that the problem's not necessarily the drug, it's the people that use the drug and different personality types have different, you know, if you're an addictive personality, you might get addicted to something. Yeah, I, that being said as well, like, I feel like weed is quite subjective to the person, you know, like, mm. I feel like I've spoken to a lot, I'm sure you have as well, you've spoken to a lot of people who are like, man, I've smoked weed before, it's just not really for me. Yeah, I think like, it's I something think- like 30 38% or something of Australians, adult Australians over the age, oh, I think it was over the age of 14 or 15, have had marijuana at some point in their life. I actually thought that number would be higher. Mm, yeah. So I reckon in the next few years, we'll see the decriminalization of marijuana and people being able to have a, a little bit on them for personal use. Like it just seems like that's the only direction that it's going to go in. I don't think the war on drugs is ever something that you're going to win by criminalizing it in any way. Well, it's like I'm telling gonna... a toddler they can't have something. Very much so. It's going to make them want it more. But at the same time, that being said, I don't know, for a lot of people that there doesn't really seem to be those kind of like addictive or like those kind of rebellious i guess addictive qualities to weed like i'm not allowed to do it so i'm going to do it more Mm. like i feel like nowadays the world's waking up to it a bit more where they're like this is really just a thing to mellow out with like i feel like the common knowledge on like what weed actually is and what it does for you is so much more available now as compared to like when i was growing up yeah definitely like what i was expecting to experience when i got high for the first time and what you know was out there what people you know who hadn't gotten high thought about it and things like that what it was even perceived as like nowadays even on like you know south park and things like that they own a weed dispensary and you know it's not such a it's pretty much alongside alcohol with this kind of like thing that you can do you know to just kind of mellow out exactly now some people get a little bit too mellow when they're having a bit of a bit of weed and I know that you, as we mentioned at the top of the show, have a new single coming out called Wasted Time. You do. I do indeed. Tell do the people indeed. about your new things. Um, new song's called Wasted Time. It's coming out next week. Really, it was just kind of like, I've been I've been doing a lot of uh, work with uh, one of the producers, Jamie Marinos, good friend of mine. We've been in the studio a lot lately, just kind of cooking things up before all these lockdowns really kicked in. Uh, it's really interesting to kind of like do something a bit different to myself. Feels a bit different. I've been working on a bit more like chorusy kind of songs nowadays. Um, something that you know is a bit more catchy kind of kind of things. I'm you know I'm still work. I'm still rhyming. I'm still you know going to be putting out kind of lyrical content. But I also you know like I listen to so much different music. I just like to make something different and like I like to have fun when I make my songs. I feel like I feel like that shows a bit more in this one. To be honest with you, I um have obviously had the pleasure of getting a sneak peek and an early listen to it and I think it's really good yeah I like it well Leroy it has been an absolute pleasure as always having you on the show and all of the links to Leroy's music will be in the show notes so if you do want to go listen to his latest track which is by the time this episode is out it should be out yeah I'll drop all those links into the the show notes and go check it out give don't forget to give Leroy a like and a follow and give him some love he's a good egg thanks for being on the show Leroy thanks so much man so guys that's a wrap on this week's episode of excuse me I hope you've enjoyed our little history lesson and conversation about the origins of marijuana as we know it today and the great debate of legalizing the plant in Australia 
If you have views on legalizing marijuana and you want to share them with me, head on over to the show's Instagram at excuse me underscore pot and share with me your thoughts there. On a slightly more serious topic, drugs like marijuana and alcohol do have the potential for addiction. So please, if you are struggling with addiction or your mental health, remember there are people out there who are willing to listen and provide you with the tools you need to take back control. Check out some great organizations like Family Drug Support Australia, which offers 24-hour support to families and friends of drug and alcohol users. Call 1300 368 186. Search for a drug and alcohol service through services directory or the Alcohol and Drug Foundation website. If you need help with alcohol addiction, you can always call Alcoholics Anonymous on 1300 222 All links to Family Drug Support Australia and other helplines and services are embedded into the show notes for you. Also, a huge thank you to the always charming and hilarious Leroy for sharing his time and thoughts with us in the show this week. Links to Where Is Leroy's socials and New Track are also embedded into the show notes for you, so go check them out. But for now, guys, that's all from me. Stay safe and I'll see you next time. 